0: Now let the breath settle into its own rhythm and depth. Don't manipulate the breath, just let the breath breathe itself, however it wants to be. And bring your awareness
1: to the inside of your nose as you continue breathing. Just feel the sensations in the inside of your nostrils produced by the
0: breath as it passes over the soft tissue in your nostrils. Thoughts, feelings,
1: emotions, sensations will carry you away from the breath repeatedly, perhaps even multiple times during the course of a single inhalation, and that's totally okay. Just every time you notice, gently just acknowledge that thoughts carried you away. Perhaps you can say thinking to yourself and then come back to the breath, come back to the sensations, the feeling
0: of the breath. See if you can notice any impulse
1: to try to make the mind settle down, to use your focus on the breath to make the mind quiet. And then if you notice that kind of effort, that kind of intention, just fold that into your awareness, just notice you're trying to quiet the mind and then let that impulse go.
0: Let the mind do its thing and just come back to the breath. As we settle into
1: a meditation period, it is natural to have expectations of how things will unfold, how this period will progress, how the mind will feel as it settles. Just notice those expectations
0: as they arise and see if you can let them go. Instead, be open to this moment exactly as it is. No need for it to be other than it is. Now let your awareness drop down
1: into the center of the chest and feel the sensations in the center of the chest. They're produced by your breath, by the rise and
0: fall of the chest as you breathe. For some of you, the center of the chest, the sternum area, the breastbone,
1: be very tight, hard. For some, very tender and raw. For others, relatively open, soft. Let it be as it is. No need for it to be other than it is. If there's tension, soften around the tension. Let the tension be there floating with an awareness
0: that just so it's going to let it be. As you are aware of the sensations in the center of the
1: chest, ask of your awareness. Is it a cold analytic awareness? Is it an awareness that wants things to change or that is judging what it observes? Or is there some kindness,
0: gentleness, compassion in the awareness? Can you be aware of how
1: the center of the chest feels as you breathe with just a touch of warmth,
0: a touch of kindness? Now, please bring your awareness into your belly, especially into the lower belly. And just be aware of how the belly feels. Is it holding tension? If you notice any holding in the belly, as you did with the chest, soften around it.
1: Let the tension be there held, a soft awareness, and perhaps with time,
0: the tension will open, soften, let go just a bit. See if you can invite the belly to open, to soften, even if just a bit,
1: letting the breath be received further and further down
0: into your soft belly. Stephen Levine has talked about the belly as a
1: diagnostic instrument. You can tell how open or closed the heart and mind are by how much tension the belly is holding. Can you feel that correlation between a tight mind, a tight
0: heart and a tight belly? Can you soften the belly? or at least open to whatever tension there might be in a soft way. As the belly softens, you may feel energy, different emotions emerge.
1: The belly holds a lot. And as it softens, it can release a lot.
0: Just trust the process and just keep opening, keep softening. No need to understand what is happening. Now I'd like you to widen or open your awareness so that you can feel the breath
1: in the nose and the chest and the belly simultaneously.
0: Just follow the breath all the way in from the nose down into the belly. If you can't hold all three spots, nose, chest, and
1: belly in your awareness simultaneously, it's okay to move gently between spots, maybe hold only two of them at a time, but see if you can
0: hold all three in awareness at once, at least for a bit. Just continue sitting like this for a few more minutes and then I'll tell you when the period is over. As we transition from this meditation
1: into the discussion portion of the evening, and as the sitting comes to an end, see if you can notice any tendency to check or monitor how this meditation was for you. Is there any desire to evaluate whether the sitting was good or not based on how you feel, how your vision seems to you when you open your eyes? Whatever it is that you do to check on your progress.
0: See if you can notice any of that and just observe it. Just notice. Okay, so feel free to move your body and we'll begin talking in just a bit. All right,
1: so um, I don't know if anyone didn't, um, a number of you were here last week. I'm hoping that those of you who weren't had a chance to listen to the recording of last week's discussion, but in case not just very, very briefly, um, I just described this experience of um, feeling unsettled about my job and realizing um, that, the deep sense of unsettledness I was feeling was arising because I had started to have expectations about my job, that um, I wanted to be sure that there were certain kind of outcomes or results that would come from the work I was doing. Um, and that that was also connected to a certain identity. That I had sense sort of like calcifying, or congealing around, you know, this picture of myself as someone who could be a helper, do good for people, and how could I know that the identity was um, stable if I couldn't be sure that people were actually getting help from me? Um, and this led to um, a real kind of you know, like sense of emerging burnout, um, and then as I practiced with this and not very quickly, it took me a little time, but as I started to practice with it, um, start to realize that these thoughts, these expectations, this congealing sense of the me as helper, um, were kind of like tensing up around um, a deeper sense of groundlessness. Um, and that as I sat with these, these thoughts, these beliefs, these desires became less invested in them, I could feel churning beneath this like deep gra- sense of like no ground or groundlessness that was very, very difficult to be with, but I realized was um, was precisely the thing I was avoiding feeling. Um, and that you know um, and then as I became more um, you know, comfortable working with the thoughts and and suddenly into that groundlessness, then things just shifted. Um, and I realized, oh, Yeah. I don't need to be doing this. Um, but, um, so I think this, this kind of, um, investment outcomes is something that can affect us in our work and our families. Um, it can affect us even in our in like moment to moment conversations where we think we want to have a particular effect on a person, you know, um, I want to, you know, I'm even just like this, the simplest conversations can can be structured according to expectations. Um, so um, someone wrote and asked if I might leave some time tonight for some further sharing, discussion, reflection on the kind of stuff I brought up. Um, this person was interested in the investment outcomes um, and results and also in this experience of groundlessness. Both, both topics resonated deeply with her. And indeed, these are really, you know, big and inexhaustible topics. And so I was very happy to leave tonight for a continuation of this discussion. So for the sake of those who um, may not have been here last week or not have heard what I said, I just want to give you a sense of like the cliff note version. Um, so, so that's, I think I'm gonna pause and just see if anyone would like to to just say whatever, ask a question, just share something,
0: um, put something out for discussion. So the floor is open.
2: I too resonate with the groundlessness and that marriage to rigid clinging to outcome. And I find the more groundless I feel, the more clinging to outcome and seeking for control or impact I get. And, and it was very useful to try to identify where that was in the body and the musculature because it's very very obvious unprompted. prompted.
3: I found that um, yeah, I could identify right away where I was holding, holding on to things which was in my chest and I felt by doing that three part you know, your nose and your chest, your heart and your lower belly that I was able to kind of soften that area just by, I don't know, I guess for the first time, I really paid attention to my nose and mm-hmm. to all that space up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and usually this time of year, my allergies are horrible, <laughs> but this mm-hmm. year for some reason they're not. And I felt like my whole head opened up and, mm-hmm. and it helped sort of feed that circle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you both, yeah.
4: I think it was a few weeks ago when um we were talking about the text and i had just come off a really stressful work day and i couldn't get out of that outcome mentality of like needing to be productive and even in my sitting i was like doing it i could feel it um and the text we were talking about and like kind of grounding in the body really helped it was like a back to basics type thing um similar to what the person who just talked said about the the chest and yeah um just a confluence of factors like the physicalness of it and then that trying to let go of or like disassociate from that task checking mentality. Um, And not all sittings are like that, but I find when I need it most sometimes is when it's naturally like that and I have to move away from that. But so these conversations have been super helpful.
0: I think um, just building on this
1: idea of what Katsi said about tension in the chest, and and you know, I think there's a way in which the way I talked about it last week and the way I just talked about it now, it seems like something that I just do to myself. I don't know because I, for whatever reason, um, you know, like this desire to control, desire to have a ground, right? Um, and but I think part of the reason I, the, the when I feel it in the chest and the way that Kasi's talking about, it feels like fear. You know, it's like, it's tension, but it's also the tension of fear. And it's like, and I think it's really pronounced when it's not just you are worried about the outcomes, but you kind of know that some, like other people are also worrying about the outcomes, you know, um, and that's when it's really like, oh, like, I feel like I need to do this to be safe, you know? Um, I need to get these results in order to, I don't know, whatever it is, be recognized by people, be seen as worthy, be seen as, you know. Um, and that's that's where it becomes really hard. It's like fear, it's like that response is, that's what it, the, has a real, can put its claws into you really deep, you know. I think it's good to see that it is fear. It's not just like oh, I'm perversely just like deciding, I just like a control freak for no reason, you know.
3: <clears throat> well, Bernie, I don't know if it, it's not always just fear too. Sometimes it can be sadness, right? That you're mm-hmm. you're protecting yourself from something, right? So not necessarily getting in trouble, but something like disappointing somebody, letting somebody down, not being able to measure up to. You know, an expectation that, you know, so that makes you sad, not necessarily scared.
1: Oh, and yeah, and no, I actually didn't mean at all to think there was one. I just meant, for, uh, yeah, um, yeah, you're totally right. There's, there's, and, and there's, I think there's, yeah, there's a, an array of things that could be underlying, and, and then grief, sadness, loss, yeah, um,
0: like stays against that, right? Yeah. Hi, Mary. Hi.
5: Uh, and I, what I appreciated about this work tonight, con- connected with last week, was that it brings up all those ideas. Oh, I, I need, I want to be liked. So it's, it's very connected with identity and um, realizing that if I could let that piece go, Um, For me, it was um, recovering from knee surgery and doing all these exercises and getting to a certain point and then thinking, well, I'm not the way I was before. And all these expectations arising and then going into burnout because (laughs) I had set something for myself that didn't seem attainable. And then but just to notice, oh, well, that's what the burnout could be about, because I see myself as a healthy, functioning, agile person on one part. And then this is not doesn't seem to be the case. So letting all of that soften and go connects to me with this idea of flow, that you are less effort, less effort in being kind with myself about all of this. (laughs) Uh, which might be connected with groundlessness too, because uh, I can't build up that foundation of my ego so well if there's no ground underneath in some sense. So I I valued your um, how you shared with us last week and then this continuation this week of finding it in the body. It's also very helpful. Our bodies speak to us.
0: Yeah.
1: I think working with the students I do at Williams has really, I always knew the body was important in the way you're talking about Mary, you know, it's like, it's just, but I think working with the students I have at Williams over the past few years has really brought home to me how crucial it is to stay grounded in the body because I'm surrounded by very, very highly developed intellects who can theorize, <laughs> all sorts of things this way and that all you know they they can think about every single problem in every possible way and 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 never actually feel what it feels like in the body except that maybe just say i just don't feel good i don't even you know um and so yeah i totally i think this like I i feel like when i'm lost there are times where i just don't even know what practice is right at this moment you know like um and I just, I just just, come home to the body and just say, I, I don't know. I'm just going to feel what the body is doing moment by moment and trust that, that will take me where I need to go.
6: I had an interesting uh, insight that I had never had before by paying attention to the different parts of the body, the chest, the belly, Uh, that I had this expectation that my body would be unified in its response, like an orchestra, like all the sections of the orchestra would be in tune with each other. And I found myself, because my chest tends to be tight, I found I was directing disappointment to that part of my body. Mm -hmm. So after the meditation, I tried to think like if I were A teacher of like a heterogeneous group of you know some students who are more skilled than others how could I hold the whole uh, group and not and um, accept that students are at different places and I tried to apply that to my to my body Um, because it felt like my chest was my belly was soft the rest of my body was soft and I was like chest why aren't you helping out the other areas of the body you know we could make beautiful music here and you're you're not cooperating so it was interesting to expose that uh expectation that uh, that i was able to bring into my awareness and to be able to play with it afterwards
1: Mm. that's really cool jim thank you for sharing that yeah
3: one thing i noticed uh from tonight when you the first thing we were supposed to notice about our where we feel the effort when we're trying really hard i noticed that that's a posture like my shoulders just climb up my neck <laughs> and that's a posture that i'm almost always naturally going into like it's comfortable and but it's not <laughs> and i realized that Um, and also from the talk last week, I'm trying way too hard (laughs) a lot of the time, just kind of like pushing through. Um, but I, I think what you said last time was really eye-opening for me because it made me realize it doesn't have to be that way.
2: Uh,
0: So Thanks. I'm beginning to read some books um, that
1: I'm considering adding to my syllabus in the fall, for the, the class on Zen that I teach. And I just read one over the last few days that I think some people in this group might find of interest, and in it, but it's related to what Chalice just said. It's um, Mark Epstein's book called um, Going to Pieces Without Falling Apart. Epstein's one of these guys who's known for trying for integrating psycho Western psychotherapy with um, with Buddhism. Um, and this is one of his more sort of popular-oriented ones. He has some there that are more technical, like Thoughts Without a Thinker is a more technical book. Um, Going to Peace Without the Falling Apart is, is I think more accessible. And but he's he's he noticed that um, you know, one of the big forms of suffering that he sees in his office are like anxiety that's associated with obsessional thinking. Right. Um, and he, because he was trained as a psychoanalyst, he he couldn't help but notice that a lot of the meditation techniques in Buddhism sound like obsessional things, you know, obsessively noting, following things. Right. Um, and his thought was actually that, um, you know, it's just who sort was of speculating. It's like, it's almost as if meditation sort of distracts the mind or tricks the mind if using its tendency towards obsession in a way that helps us release the urge to always be doing something um, that like, you know, we're gonna obsess, so let's obsess in a way that creates a little bit more space. Um, uh, and I don't know, if that, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I mean, I don't know if there's, it just seemed like it resonated, you know? Like, yeah, we we do, we. We're going to th- to think in certain ways, so let's try to make it as not not self destructive as possible. Um, um, so anyway, I just put the title out there and just that that thought of his. He's a he's
0: um there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who are therapists or interested in psychoanalysis, he's like a basically like a, he's a Winnicottian. So he's really,
1: he's um, really into Winnicott and it's um,
0: sort of interesting interesting connections. <laughs> I would like, I'd love to hear people's thoughts on groundlessness.
1: Um, Because one thing that this person who emailed me said is that a certain loss she'd suffered that kind of really deeply destabilized her picture of who she was. And felt made her feel this kind of really disorienting kind of groundlessness, which felt at first terrifying and deeply uncomfortable. But then, somehow shifted in some way into a feeling of radical freedom, you know. Um, and this account of the experience of groundlessness really resonated with me because it's, um, you know. From one point of view, groundlessness sounds really scary. You know, it's the ground disappearing beneath your feet and you're falling. Right. But it's like like Trungpa said about, you know, enlightenment. It's like you fall out of the airplane. The bad news you don't have a parachute. The good news is there's no ground, right? And it really, once you can feel that, oh yeah, this is just what life is. It's a falling, but there's no ground to hit, right? Um and it's not that you know, you see something different go through the groundlessness and realize that that's not, the, it's like, no, it's just it, it's a different experience of it as freeing rather than as terrifying. But it's just, it's the same thing, but seen from different perspectives in a way. Um, so, I'm, but it's a, it's a difficult thing to be with. It is from a certain point perspective, a certain kind of very, very difficult to be with this feeling. Um, and one might say that it's just one of the things that all our ego structures are designed to help us avoid, you know. Um, so I'm wondering if um, other people have you know their own experiences of this that they'd be willing to share. Please go for it. Yeah.
7: Um, hopefully, this is relevant. <laughs> But as a child, um, I'm talking preteen, I had repeating dreams of walking on this precipice that went out into the horizon. And the path on top of this kept narrowing as I went along, you know, as I went forward. Ultimately, there was no place to walk. And it was, it seemed like a very long ways down to the ground. And I would always fall. But all I had to do was close my eyes and there was always a soft landing. Mm -hmm. So it was initially terrifying. And then as you were talking, it it brought back to my memory. There was really no hard ground. Mm -hmm. I mean, I came to a soft landing, I was okay. I was gonna survive Mm -hmm. over and over. And I've probably had a thousand times.
1: That seems deeply relevant to me, (laughs) Lee. Thank you.
2: That's fascinating. I had similar age, repetitive dream about a slide Hmm. that I would go down and then the slide would end and I'd keep falling and then wake up in my bed. Hmm. Fine. Over and over and over again. So interesting.
0: Aaron,
1: did you want to share something or I
8: was thinking about it. <laughs> um, yeah sure um, yeah I when you and asked us at the beginning like to think about um I forget even the question but uh you were asking us to look for maybe when someone had gotten judged judge you yeah yeah <laughs> and I think I was looking for shame And then I was like surprised to discover like rage, like just like full rage. And I, I like, I famously I got another, I got another concussion today, which is my third in um, like a couple of years. And my first reaction, it was a dog, was just like to be pissed at this dog, like so mad. Um, and like being like, no one even likes this dog, like petty, like <laughs> just ridiculous. Um, and I realized that even when I've experienced in the past, uh, versions of, of groundlessness that have been, you know, on the range of like terrifying, but, at also like sort of experiences of freedom, I always it always turns into a conditional piece where I get back to what feels like a precipice or what feels like an equilibrium that I can then narrativize and okay, I got through that hard thing and groundlessness helped me get through that hard thing. Um, But I'm past that now and I'm sort of back on steady ground. And I realized that I was having a huge resistance to sitting today. And I think it's because I wanted to be mad because it was easier than like letting go of the anger and realizing that it was just like random accident (laughs) and uh like uh just having having to face groundlessness I realized that because I've almost experienced it before so like so many times at this you know at this point in my practice um I've developed like complex circum maneuvers when I know it's coming up um and rage was one of them today anyway sorry that was very much a ramble but um, yeah,
1: <laughs> no, thank you, Aaron. And I'm so sorry about the concussion. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the first thing when, when I got my big concussion, uh, you know, Eric, uh, Eric, whatever the thing fell on my head, first thing was like, it was a total random accident, but immediately the first reaction was rage. Cause rage could make sense of it. I can't blame someone. Right. It would immediately like focus everything instead of just like, yeah, um, I, t- I can totally really, and I just, I'm sorry that you're. Oh hope you get better soon. Okay. Um, Martin, did you have something you want to say just when Aaron was about to say something? Yeah.
4: That's a lot actually like what Erin said. Um, I guess, yeah, I also found today that my whole body just did not want to be sitting and did not want to be quiet and still in any way. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I feel like I understand and probably say this to a million people a day, not a million, I say it to like 10 people a day, that the last thing that you wanna do is exactly what you are what you need to be doing. And so I'm just interested in how without punishing myself, and I feel like this is maybe the conversation we have every week, but I feel like I just need repetition. How without punishing myself can I, Kind of like push myself through my resistance to get closer to the groundlessness because I feel like I I need to I need to be in it and I don't know how to um, like lay all my weapons down when I they just are so up in arms to protect me from actually doing it. So any experiences people have, just how to permit that, how to get closer to it.
1: Does anyone have suggestions? My first, my only first one is like that's why I think I have a routine. You know, first thing in the morning, and so it's not like a decision to sit. It's just like it's it's and so you know whether I do or don't want to, I know, and therefore it doesn't have to be like this big like masochistic thing where I'm making myself do something I don't want to do because it's just what I do. You know, um, but I think your question goes deeper than I mean, and that doesn't always. It, Address that. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's a great question. Other any thoughts?
9: Yeah, I, um, I've been struggling a lot with sitting lately because uh, I also, sort of, brain related, have been thinking a lot about like job transitions and trying to figure out. So, um, I can like implicitly trying to use sitting to like come to decisions. And so, anyways, I feel like that has sort of made it very hard. Um, to do everything you were talking about, Marnie. And and just over the weekend was, I was randomly watching School of Rock with some friends, like not even sitting. And and it was just like really overcome, totally unrelated to everything that was happening. Um, With, yeah, like I think the the feelings that I had been trying to, um, trying to open up to during sitting and so, just went and sat. Um, so I don't know if that was right or not, but yeah, I guess the short answer is like just trying to um, notice opportunities to sit outside of the routine um, has been really helpful to me. Like the couple of times when I notice an opening, and then I just kind of like try and um, try and take advantage of it, even if it doesn't come like when I wake up or when I go to sleep and when I'm sitting at the usual times.
10: Could I just, I don't know if you can hear me. Okay. Um, Great. Uh, My name is Renee and um, this is my first time joining this group via Zoom. I was down in Williamstown a few times, but it's been quite a while. Um, I've had to discuss groundlessness, and uh, I've had a lot of loss of family members when, within um, these past years, a short, short uh, time frame. So I would go from being a caretaker from this person to that person, and now I'm kind of asking, who who am I? Outside of that caregiver role, and um, yeah, that's I think that's where I'm at. Um, trying to find my my rootedness um, of who I am.
1: Good to see you, Renee.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: Well, it's 8.35 and um, maybe this is just a moment to, to just not to pause the pause discussion. It seems like our discussion is one that's where it just goes on over different weeks. So um, yeah, it seems fitting given the topic that it's not conclusive. <laughs> we haven't come up with a solution um, as, as disappointing as it may be, but, um, but maybe part of the solution is just being together. So it's nice to see you all. Um, Could we sit for just half a minute together and then we'll call it a night? Okay.
0: Okay, everyone. Take care. Have a good week. I will see you. I hope to see you next week. Good night, everyone. Thank you.